Hello everyone, I'm Katie Knight and welcome back to Can You Put Me On Guest List. Yay, we're back finally. It's been a while, it has been a while. I had a bit of a break from the podcast, but we're back and I'm so excited for season four and to share lots of conversations with different people from the music industry with you to learn a little bit more about what they do, how they got to where they are today and stories that they've made along the way because there's lots of great stories out there and I really miss doing this podcast actually and chatting with different people because there are just so many different roles and jobs and things that I didn't know about this crazy but wonderful industry that we work in so it feels good to be back and I hope you enjoy this new season as much as I do recording it. To kick off season four I couldn't think of a better guest than one of the most respected and hard-working women in the music industry Emma Hoser. Emma is a longtime agent and works with the biggest names in the game, such as Adam Bayer, Nicole Mudaba, Alan Fitzpatrick, Jamie Jones, Patrick Topping, Paco Suna, Sasha. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, huge, huge names. So, you know, she knows exactly what she's talking about and has so much to tell. So this was a very special one to start with. And on top of everything that she's achieved, she's just such a lovely, lovely person and an absolute joy to chat with. So welcome back. If you haven't subscribed already, then please do so. I'll be uploading a new episode every week. And here you have it. This is Emma Hoser on Can You Put Me on Guest List. How are you? How is everything? Everything's good. Can't complain. You know, busy, busy. Yeah. Uh, navigating the new world that we're living in, you know? I know. But, are you in New York? So I live in New York, but I'm temporarily in Florida uh, with my parents. My dad is a little sick, so. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I don't know why I said little, but um, he's going through cancer, so I'm like helping him and like, you know, Aww. but it's good. It's good. And, you know. Floor is all, I can't complain. It's warm. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say because I saw you dress with like with your whole tonight. I was like, um, is it that warm in New York still? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> kind of warm, but yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I was like trying to find a spot in my parents' house that looked didn't look completely like you know. Well, you look very color coordinated with the blues and the greens. I did in the not background. to do that. If, <laughs> when I was going the other way, you would have saw my bed in the background. So I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> you look perfect Thank you look you. perfect Thank you. how's your uh, summer season been I mean Ibiza was amazing and now I'm coming back as I told you yay just one little close just two little closings you know um yeah the summer was good yeah it's uh it's been interesting since the pandemic you know which I'm sure I'll talk about a bit, but it's been interesting, you know, because like some things are just fucking amazing. I need to not curse. I was going to make a sign for myself. You can curse. It's fine. I know. Honestly, but it's, I've had like eats everything and stuff and Nick Yates on this podcast. So I know, but it's better if I don't curse as much as I do usually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually just make a note to yourself? I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit of a cursor. So I tried to, you know, and somehow it, it's okay when the boys do it, you know? No, I like to make my parents proud. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure, but it's unnecessary. You know? Well, welcome to the Can You Put Me On Guest List podcast. 
Uh, in this podcast, I like to talk to different people that work in the music industry and just find out a little bit more about their careers and how they got to where they are. And I, the reason I started this podcast was to just, I felt like I'd interviewed so many DJs that I was like, what about everybody else? There's so many things that happen behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, so that was the whole reason that I started. And you had been on top of my list for a very long time. We're now on season Thank four you. and you've been on there for a very long time. So I'm really excited about today. And I always just like to start off by asking how you started out in music. Like, how did it all begin for you? Yeah. Okay. So I went to school in Florida at um, University, in Florida, University of Florida for my first two years. And a lot of people don't know this. I mean, Americans usually do, but outside of America, you know, Gainesville, Florida was one of the pinnacles of starting dance music in America. Um, there was a nightclub called Simon's that literally changed the landscape of DJing in America. That's where Sasha and John started. You know, people like Laurent Garnier used to play there all the time. It was, and it was also very much like the resident DJ back yeah. in the days when people actually went and paid money and went in and just for the residents. So, you know, I, I started going there when I was in college and I just started loving this music and meeting all the DJs because obviously Gainesville is a very small town. Um, I became very close with like people like Sasha, who I represent now, you know, a hundred years later and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> And we'll leave it at that, <laughs> wink, wink, for, and I'm referring to myself, of course. Um, but so I started going to this club, and I met all these DJs, and, you know, didn't even think that, like, this could be something I could get into. Um, and then uh, I took a hiatus of one semester and went home. Side note, family stuff I needed to deal with, and I was, like, so bored. So I was like, why don't I throw some parties? You know, it's Fort Lauderdale. It's not Miami. There's not really much going on. So I started throwing these little parties with one of, at the time, my ex-boyfriend was a DJ. My, sorry, my boyfriend at the time was a DJ. So uh -huh. it's a good way to get him some shows and bring in talent from other people. There I met some agents and um, one of them, you know, and I kept close and, uh, I'll circle to that in a minute. So then I moved, okay. then I moved to San Francisco to finish school. San Francisco is a fucking great town. Like, uh, sorry, what were you studying by the way? Oh, at the time when I moved to San Francisco, nothing just, okay. School. Yeah. I mean, okay. I was not one of those people who knew when I moved okay. to San Francisco, I was like, what can I do in music? I have no idea. Like, you know, I'd met a few agents when I was doing the promoter thing, but it just didn't really click. Oh, maybe I want to flip that to that side. And um, on my way to San Francisco, which I drove out with my best friend, I called DJ Dan and DJ Dan was someone who played at Simon's a lot and became a good friend. And I was like, I'm moving to San Francisco. I don't have a job. I need a job. Like, and I need, you know, and I'm going to school and da, da, da. He was like, why don't you sell my mixtapes? Again, showing my age. We'll just leave it at that. And um, I was like, oh, can I really make money off of, like, you know, we sat down. The next thing you know, I was making thousands of dollars a month selling mixtapes. And, you know, I would take Dan to shows and meet other DJs through him. And and then circling back to, to my days of being a promoter, I got a call from one of the agents that I had worked with. And she was like, do you want to come out to New York for the summer and work at my agency? So I was like, sure. 
So I, you know, my best friend was already living in New York. She was a year older than me. It was my last year of about to go into my last year of college. So I was like, okay, let's give this a try. New York was never in my bucket list of places I wanted to live. Weirdly enough, it just wasn't. And I went and lived there for the summer with my friend and worked at the agency for the summer. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with just the, the whole concept of taking someone who's maybe played out a few times. And obviously back then it was a lot easier because there wasn't as much competition, Mm -hmm. you know? So when you found a small artist that you believed in, you were able to grow and grow, you know, easily. Okay. Maybe easily is not the right word, but when they're talented easily. Mm -hmm. And so I spent the whole summer working for her. And at the end of the summer, she's like, just stay. Like, why, why would you go back to college? And I was like, oh, God, I made it this far. I've got two more semesters. Like, I just feel like it's got to, you know, I got to finish. So I went back and she held the job for me. And then I moved to New York after college. Um, so then I was in New York. I worked, at, you know, at a few different agencies, all boutique agencies. And then cut to 2008, Paul Morris offered me a job and Side note, Paul Morris and I met in college and he, and and for anyone listening who doesn't know who Paul Morris is, he's one of the biggest, most successful agency owners, agent, you know, agent in the business. And now he's kind of retired, but doing Tiesto. And he's been doing Tiesto. Kind of doing Tiesto. (laughs) You know, he he did retire and then he was like, "Mm, I'm just going to maybe, you know. So he's a small one, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he still works with Tiesto. He's still one of my best friends. But um, he he offered me a job for the second time. And I was like, let's do this. Oh, so we knew each other from college. But let me just, this is the best part of the story. We met through our grandparents. My grandpa and his grandma (laughs) in England, because I was born in England. I know it doesn't sound like it. Um, no way. Paul was in England at his grandma's, met my grandma and was like, well, my granddaughter goes to Gainesville. You should call her. So we actually, yep, we became friends in college. And then 2008, I started working for him. And, that is so funny. And I like to talk about AM only, you know, because it's where I really felt like I'd gotten my, my foot in the right place at the yeah. right time felt super supported, not saying other agencies I worked for before. Great. You know, I learned a lot, but like Paul Morris has taught me more in my career probably than anyone. And so worked for him for 12 and a half years. Wow. And he decided obviously not to do this anymore at an agency. And um, during the pandemic, I was like, you know what? I want to go back to those AM only days of working in a smaller agency you know, because obviously AM only became, par- not obviously, but AM only became Paradigm years later. And as great as Paradigm was, it wasn't for me. Okay. And for me, you know, I want to be in this family oriented, smaller agency. Also, the, the music that I love, which we'll t- I'm sure we're going to talk about is yeah. underground. So it makes more sense. And me and Marisa and Andrew started talking liaison in, during the pandemic and it was like, it was, a, I don't know what you call it because I'm Jewish, but like the come to Jesus moment, you know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, the, this is my next step in my career. And it, it was the best decision of my life. Like it's been 
And now I have Andrew and Marisa and I still have Paul as my friend. So I have some of the best. They have the best of the best. The best of the best friends slash bosses slash just advisors. And it's just, and here we are. Has there been a big change from one agency to the other in terms of like your day-to-day and how you work? um, How I work doesn't change. How they want me to work can change, right? And that's also, but, but with Andrew and Marisa, they just... They know who I am. They know what I do. We all do it and we all do it well. And they support me in with everything. And it's just been, it's been fantastic. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, Paradigm was a great experience. I will never go back to another corporate company again. So it's how many of us, it's not, yeah. I mean, everyone has their own thing. Some people work better like that and others totally. that kind of more family, small boutiques kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that feeling of like having a team, talking to that team, not wondering even who the team is because there's so yeah. many people, you know, and also I don't need to work with people. Like there were so many unbelievable clients of Paradigm from Ed Sheeran to Coldplay to all those people, but that doesn't work. Like that has nothing to do with me. And I, I, what I was never looking to go outside of what the music that I love and the people that I trust and that I work with. And, you know, I have 23 artists and every one of them left with me and went to liaison and more than half of them I've been working with for over 10 years, which as an agent is unheard of. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not saying we all, there's not been movements because there always has, but like everyone came and, uh, you know, the people that have been with me for 12 plus years, 14, I mean, Adam Bear, 14 years, Ida, you know, Paco Asuna, like, so it's, and, and some of them are just having these huge moments over the last, you know, two years, five years. And it's like, and I've been there since the beginning and there's something to say for that. And Something. Absolutely, and it's just amazing to to be able to say. That being said, I also have some amazing artists that I've worked with for one year, four years, six years, um, and and that's amazing too. You know, some of them came fully developed. You know, Jamie Jones fully developed, but we're having, mm. but yet we're also having a great time. You know, working on developing even more. You know, there's always room to change and improve and grow and do more big events under their brands and so it's just been yeah I feel very I guess you just kind of you you create instead of it being like an agent artist kind of relationship a more friendship or family yeah and listen I'm not saying that hasn't kicked me in the ass a couple of times over the years but mostly it has not and you know I'm at their weddings and I'm at their kids parties and I just yeah it's like a family you know and the ones that I've represented that long and even the newer ones it's like I don't want to work with someone who's like you know it's all business and because at the end of the day we're we're not curing cancer we're we're, booking DJs right yeah that doesn't mean it's not awesome and it doesn't mean there's not this you know big job behind it but again not curing anything you know yeah absolutely I could agree with you more yeah yeah yeah. absolutely so what which artists are you representing right now you want the whole list if you can (laughs) I sure can let me but I do I do need to open the roster so give me two seconds just because it's long you know so I'll I'll give you I'll give you you know a main highlight you know okay 
um, Adam Bear, Alan Fitzpatrick, A Vision, Cyrus D, which is Eric Prince's other project, Christoph, Eli and Fur, Jamie Jones, Ida Engberg, Mark Knight, Melee that I just um, started working with with Andrew, my boss, and we're just having the time of our lives with it. Amazing. Patrick Topping, Paco Asuna, Nicole Mudabar, Sasha Wheats. So, and I just signed Pausa uh, two weeks ago. So I'm really oh. excited about that. I'm also building um, a basketball team. Not yes. so, yeah. well, well, <laughs> that's my joke. So I have <laughs> the tallest DJs in the business. Pause is like 6'10". Huge. Adam is like 6'5 or 6". You, Mech. Then we've got Andrew having Solomon. At, you know, <laughs> so we're just building a basketball team, we keep telling ourselves. So. You actually could. That's so true. <laughs> That's amazing, though. How, yeah. With so many clients, how do you distribute your time between them all? So it's not easy. Um, and, it, you know, going back to Paul, Paul was so good about like saying, I'm going to work on Tiesto for the next two hours and he doesn't look at anything else. I have tried that. It doesn't always work for me, but I tend to, um, you know, because I don't do the world, right? Except for one artist. I do North and South America from 80% of my roster. Um, there's about 10%, you know, 10% that have South American agents already. So I just do North. And then I have one artist for the world. So obviously you have someone like Adam Bear who might come six to eight times a year, mm. right? Jamie, for example, doesn't come in the summer very much because he has his paradise residency in Ibiza. A lot of them have massive schedules in July and August. So I, I tend to not always get those artists in the summer. So I, I really just look at it of like, what's next? Like, if yeah. Jamie's not coming for six months, I can work on Adam because he's coming in three, you know, so it's finding that balance. I haven't found the perfect solution. I think. I guess there isn't though, really. No, there isn't. It would be impossible because it's always something like every, I'm guessing every week for you is just totally different. Yeah. And I'll, every day. I mean, there's days that like, I, I look up, it's five o'clock and I've only looked at emails. Because our yeah. business is so email driven. So then maybe the next day, I just have to like shut the email off and work on a tour. So it's just, it's finding that balance. I seem to have found it. I don't, I don't really have a formula though. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I do believe the people that work for you or with you, however, you know, help me. You know, I have an amazing girl who works for me who has organized things in a way that we can really, you know, make sure everybody's getting serviced. I, I'd like to say that I'm servicing all my artists the way they need to be serviced. And, you know, that's all you can do. I mean, sometimes there's managers who are slower. Sometimes there's managers who are faster. So it's like, if I get dates faster for someone else, I'm going to work on those until I get the other ones. Yeah. So it's really just like prioritizing my list, my to-do list. Yeah. The to-do to list never ends. <laughs> I was just going to say to you, I bet that's a to-do list that you get to that. It just never, ever ends. Yeah, it just, yeah, I just on and on and on. So then the next day I rewrite it and delete the stuff I already did. You know, that's all you can do. That's all you can Is do. Is it like the best feeling when you start like ticking things off so and you're like, I'm really there and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> so deleting emails in general gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling. Like, once oh, yes. you know, once it's done and dusted or filing it, definitely. Um, but yeah. I love a good to-do list. Yeah. Me too. Do you travel a lot as well with your artists? I, you know, when I 
for years and and I became an, when I was an agent and I worked for Paul, he was the one that helped me learn I can't be everywhere. Andrew's really good about it now too. It's like, cause I'll have to be, I'll be like, Oh, do I need to go to that one? Do I need to go to, and it is a fine line because you have artists that get, you know, upset if you're not there, you have artists that are, are fine if you're not there, or you just have reasons to be there. And for me, I try to go to the larger stuff, especially if I have multiple artists on it, you know, I try never to miss Coachella. I don't usually miss EDC Las Vegas. I usually yeah. have between five and seven artists on something like Vegas. So, of course, I'm not going to miss that. Um, a brand new show, I try to go to. Like, if an artist is putting on a brand new show, if I have multiple, yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah. It can be a lot. I mean, two weeks ago, I was in New York on Friday, New York on Saturday, one festival and a large event, and then Chicago on Sunday. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, which I'm going to talk about later when you ask me what my highlighted highlights are. We'll, oh. we'll circle back to that. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> and I wanted to know how live streams have changed your work. Because obviously, through the, through the pandemic, we saw multiple live streams a day. How did that change your work for you? Um. Well, during the pandemic, first of all, live streams don't usually get dealt with by agents. They usually okay. get dealt with by managers because there's no okay. because there's no money involved, right? Or there's money for expenses and stuff like that. Um, that being said, even if it was my job to 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 do them, and I did do a few, I personally think the pa pandemic it was great. I know for me, three months in the pandemic, I just wanted to go out and dance and I couldn't. So I invited a friend over and we watched Danny Tanaglia's 60th birthday stream with a bunch of my artists on it. And Danny, you know, and we had a little dance party at the house because yes. what else could we do? Um, that being said, once things started to open, I don't think people are interested in watching live yeah. streams. That's not to say there's no one interested because of course there's always going to be those people, you know, you just want to, you want to, it's great for them, but I don't feel that you get the same energy as you do from a live yeah. show. I also think the, the ones that change the game are the circle ones, for example, you know, oh, yeah, so they're just gorgeous and you just want to see where they are yeah it's amazing i've also seen those type of streams circle ones you know change the game for some artists and uh, because if they especially when they did them during the pandemic because everybody was watching but i still think the circle ones like jamie just did one eli and fur just did one they're gorgeous i wanted to still watch those even though i was going out on friday night right yeah um, but yeah, I don't think it changed really for, for me. It didn't really change. No. What is the most challenging part of your job? <laughs> I mean, going to shows, probably going to show, okay. staying up late and, you know, it's one thing on a Friday night or Saturday night, but then sometimes they're during the week. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it definitely is challenging to try and work balance with going out because you don't want to be I've never wanted to be one of those agents because it's like yeah I, there are certain agents I see at every show and then some but they're never in the office I need to be in the office this is where I'm going to make you money this is where I'm going to book your shows this is where I'm going to do my best work 
So I have to try and think about like every time I go out, how that's affected. You know, when you go to three shows, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday comes and you're like done. Ugh. So it's, it's definitely finding the balance. That being said, I still love the music and I do love going out, you know? So it's like just finding the balance, I think is the hardest, most challenging. The other challenging thing that I can only say has been in the last, you know, three years is, is or two and a half, whatever it is. With COVID, it was, I had to learn my job all over again, if that makes sense. You know, there were so much renegotiating or negotiating COVID rules. You know, here we are, we're a club, we fit a thousand people, you get paid this much money usually. Well, now it's COVID and they're open at 50%. Yeah. So it's like, it's renegotiating those deals. Those are the simpler ones. Then you get the promoter calling you going, I got to take the show down. And I'm like, well, but, but it's open, but you're open, you know? And then it's like, are they taking the show down because they're not selling tickets or is it really a COVID situation? And you never want to accuse someone of lying, but has there been people who have used COVID as an excuse to not do an event? I'm sure, you know, it, it was navigating all that stuff. And on top of that, navigating the visas and the NIE letters. And now I might be speaking in another language, but basically long story short, during the pandemic, you weren't allowed to travel internationally, but they for a while allowed these special exemption letters, but to get them was this huge process. And then you might not get it. So it was like a lot of canceling shows, a lot of moving shows around a lot of festivals going up and coming back down, you know? So it's just navigating all of that. And, and also people wanting reductions before the show even happened, you know, just like all of these things that we all had to navigate were not, you know, were not something I had ever done before. I mean, I don't think any of us were in a pandemic before. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And what about shows that were booked through COVID through the pandemic that then had to get canceled? Were they then, rebooked for after the pandemic so is it like sorting all of that calendar out as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rescheduling yeah and and deciding at what point is too long you know because there are mm. you know and then it becomes a new show I mean there were artists for me for the industry who came out of this pandemic bigger than they went in which for sure I probably could can't count them on two hands I think maybe just over one to be honest I had two artists that that was the case that doesn't mean the other ones came out smaller they just somehow broke through the noise you know a lot of people were and then there were artists you know that just couldn't grab their their artist artistry while we were in the pandemic and I completely understand that because I'm not an artist but I it was hard to find our own you know even to get up every day or whatever you want to call it so when you have these you know I had like half my artists like just sending me music left, right, center. But then I had other artists who were like, I sit in a studio and there, because a lot of people get their artistry and their, um, their influence from their shows. Right. And playing those yeah. records, testing them out and all that stuff. So some of them just couldn't get past that. And I, that's fine too. But it was, it was a definitely interesting just to see how certain artists handled it. Other artists, you know, handled it differently. Just, but I guess that's no different with us humans. I'm sure yeah. your experience might, you know, 
I mean, listen, you live in Spain, so maybe yours is better. <laughs> well, I don't know. We had a full on crazy lockdown. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. I mean, listen, I just thank God I don't live poor. The poor like Vancouver was the last place to open in all of North America, you know? Yeah. And no. I was worried also that there were promoters that just wouldn't come out the other end, you know, because financially. So it, it was a lot. It was a lot because I guess, the, if these promoters don't come out, then I'm not going to have a job if there's no, yeah. promoters, you know, no, absolutely. So it was Isn't definitely it crazy that we went through all of that. It's crazy. Still, we lived a pandemic. I still think, did that really happen? And was I, I know. Well? And, and, and you don't want to feel this way, but I feel a little robbed of the time, you know, yeah, I think absolutely. we all do. Everyone feels that way. You know, I think we all do, but feeling that way, you know, uh, dwelling on it won't bring it back. No, it, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And, and we, we all feel the same way. We're all in it together at the end of the yeah. day. So well, like it's, it's just happened to me. <laughs> and I think what you just said is a really good point too. It's, it's, we're all in it together is, was my, like literally my line every promoter conversation, every DJ conversation, because I was like trying to like set my artists up and un to understand, like you can't make all your money back if, if everyone else isn't making money back. Right. It's like, we can't go in and go, Oh, you should pay double what you paid before the pandemic. And that that'll work for everyone. Yeah. You know, we all had to build this back up you know, properly. And it's going to take a while. And I think we're also, you know, it, it, we're in the recession now and we're, it's going to, be, we're not done. Maybe no, we're pandemic, definitely not done. But we're not done with, with the aftermath of all of the stuff that the pandemic brought. And, you know, we're seeing it. I mean, some shows I'm like, I get a call from the program. I'm like, we just sold out. I was like, amazing, you know? And then others are like, I am like Friday at 2 p.m. for the Friday night show. Like, <laughs> and then we sell 2,000 tickets day of show for a 5,000 person event. That's a lot yeah. of tickets day of show. That wouldn't have happened before the pandemic. Oh. But now people are more hesitant to have their ticket money out there. You know, there's companies that have their ticket money. We'll leave that mm -hmm. yep. for a different <laughs> conversation. You know what I mean? But like, they're very cautious. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't be jumping to. So, you know, we, that's what I was saying earlier about learning, almost learning my job again, because all of the information that I had, like if I put a show on sale for Adam and Eric Prids as Cyrus D, we put a show on sale pre-pandemic. It sells like this. Post-pandemic, it sold like this. Or sorry, like this. But in the end, they both sold like this. Yeah. So it's like, but so I couldn't use that first show that we did in New York, for example, as a benchmark for my second show, you know, two years later, because it was, did it all end the same? Yes. But did I give myself an ulcer leading up to it? 1000%. <laughs> it wasn't the same process as before. No. It, and it, it, well, I think the process is the same, but the, the information you use for your process is yeah. kind of null and void now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I, now you just have to go. I mean, I talk to obviously promoters every day that are just like oh, I'm freaking out, freaking out. And then the week of show, everyone buys the tickets. Everyone's. Um, and then there's some that are it's not happening, you know, but I guess that's not different, you know, than pre pandemic just in it for maybe for different reasons. You know, I mean, every, mm -hmm. there's always been shows that don't do well, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Definitely relearning the job almost.
Okay, so what would be then your favorite part of your job? Well, so my favorite part of my job is that I love the music. That's the favorite. That's the best part. So I get to wake up every morning and do something that I love, right? Um, But in specific, watching an artist grow from the beginning, especially, is just, is why I do what I do. Like, you know, I'm at their first show. Let's, you know, I'm usually in New York. So let's say usually a lot of artists, their first tour, they do New York, right? Because New York's very up on this music and there's so many options. And you're, you're doing 500 people and you're hoping to sell 250, right? And then a year later, five years later, whatever that is, whatever the trajectory for that artist is, then you're standing at that show and you're like, there's 5,000 people and maybe, and some artists, there's even more. And you're like, I was part of this journey, you know, and it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to watch. It must be such a fulfilling feeling, like just standing there and being like, wow. Yeah. And I think, you know, circling back to what you said earlier, the other favorite part is it's like, I have 23 really amazing artists, but a lot of them are my really good friends. And, you know, me and Nicole go on vacation together. I just spent, you know, three weeks in Ibiza hanging with Adam and his kids and Ida and, you know, Paco and his son. And it's just like, you know, I'm there for a lot of their weddings. We're there for their births, some some for divorces, you know, whatever it is. I've been a constant in their life and vice versa. And it's been amazing, you know, and, and I, I can't just say, um, I I don't want to say just artists because some of my managers, you know, have become some of my greatest friends and confidants and, you know, super support systems. And if I didn't have those people, especially during the pandemic, because I made a point to keep in touch with everybody, you know, and not just forget because people were, I'm sure you know people, we all had people that weren't doing well. And I wanted to, I never wanted to be able to say to myself, oh, just because I wasn't working really, because I mean, I was maintaining, no, but why wasn't I checking in on them? You know, not, not every day, not even once a week, but just like checking on everybody because these are the people we love and care about. And also I think a lot of them were panicked and rightfully so. I mean, I was panicked in a way of like, oh God, what's next? What's going to happen? But like artists, I think had this different kind of panic. Like, what if this is it? Did I save enough money? Did I buy that house? Did I, or did I spend too much money? You know, and, and, and I do think there's definitely part of that pandemic for me, for the artists, probably for for everyone that we also saw that we have to be very careful with stuff like that. And make sure that you have, you know, savings. I mean, for me, you know, I I hired a financial planner during the pandemic because I realized like, yeah, I might have money in a savings account, but is that the best place for it? And, you know, I, I, I've done all the the stuff you need to do as an adult, but yeah. how was I going to do a little bit more so that God forbid anything that like this happened again? I'm not saying a pandemic's going to happen, but no job, no, that I, I knew that I was comfortable in, in where I was. And so, you know, there were some really good things for me that came out of the pandemic, my new job, my financial planner, all those things. And then there were others that, you know, it was hard. It was hard for uh, everyone. 
I think we can all take like some kind of learnings from the pandemic. And even if it's like the smaller things or just even the way we like live or as you said before, you know, check in on people and friends, all of them. Yeah, exactly. I think it has really, it has changed or opened our eyes in lots of different ways. So there's definitely been positives from it, even though obviously there was a lot of negatives, but there's definitely. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to, yeah. And and that's the thing. And some of the negatives for me turned positive, you know, yeah the job, the, also I, I do, I, I definitely weeded out a few people in my life and I don't mean work just like person, like, because if you don't care what's going on with your friends during a pandemic, maybe we're not really that good friends. I you know? agree with you, Mom. And I agree with so you. for me, it was like, it was almost like a cleansing, you know, of, of a lot of things. And I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't look back on it and go, yay. But <laughs> but I do, I did take a lot of positive out of it. No, I agree. I agree. Do you have three career highlights that I, you can share with us? I do. I had to write them down because I don't want to forget. So I'm going to go with my most recent because it was okay. recent um, and back and circling back. Uh, you know, I obviously book on uh, underground music and I had my first headline underground in Chicago a few weeks ago and it was probably the best show I ever saw there's it was I just I'll give you all the details it was Adam Bear and Cyrus D we do these very very selectively but we have we had done the festival the year before with Eric Prids and it was great and they wanted to have Adam and Eric come back and it was a huge project because they take over the whole stage. Eric's team is just phenomenal. They they worked with Ark's team. And this show was just, for lack of a better word, stunning. Wow. And, then, and then to top it off, the music was, they just were in sync. They, it was so beautiful. And then at the end, the promoter, the two promoters who I love looked over to me when I was, we were standing in front of house and, and all of a sudden I hear a bang and it's fireworks at the end. And I have never in my whole career had dedicated fireworks for one of my artists. So it was a moment. It was a moment. Wow. Yeah. That must have been gorgeous. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you talk to any, all the EDM guys, they've all had fireworks and, you know, all that stuff. And and then the funny part is I don't even like fireworks at a show. I prefer them at the end not doing the music. So it was just this perfect culmination of like one year of working on this show and just being there. And well, and also Adam couldn't get into the country last year for the show. So it was like, also he got to finally play. It was just, and this festival that they started in Chicago is just unbelievable. It's just great. And it's all underground, which is hard to pull off in America. We only have a few of them and they're growing and it's mm-hmm. just, it's pretty exciting. Um, did you say the name of the festival was what? Sorry, because I just cracked up right at the beginning. It's okay. Arc. Arc Music Festival in Chicago, Arc. their second year. Phenomenal. Um, my other proudest isn't a moment. It's it's many moments, but I wanted to bring this up because I think it's important. Is My proudest moments is when I are, are, am able to mentor these young women in our business you know, people work, not just working for me directly, which that I'm doing, but also just doing things. I, you know, I recently did, um, uh, 
I don't know if you know Letitia. She manages Anna. Yes, Anna. Yeah. And a few other people. And she asked me to do one of her mentoring programs for young artists. So it wasn't just girls. It was boys and girls. And I did that for her. And it, I loved every second of it. And the feedback was amazing. I did one for Tool Room Academy. And it's not really, like, it is a little outside my box. I'm not shy, but I, I, not, I don't love speaking in public or however you want to call it. So for me, it, it was like also getting out of my comfort zone, but just like mentoring young people because no one, no one did that for me. I just decided, yeah. you know, and not that there were just wasn't anyone to do it. First of all, there's hardly any women in the business when I started, but in America at least, but um, I just love it. I mean, my, the new girl that works for me, she's not new. She's been, Catherine has been with me for a year and she sent me an entire tour for one of my artists that I, I basically said, go run with this. And, and she came in and I swear it was just this week. There were, there were like tears in my eyes. It was so gorgeous oh, and so well so done. Nice. And it's just nice to be able to say that I taught her, you know, something and yes. she's doing it. So that's, that was one other um, of my highlights. And then I think the third one is I love to curate stages um events you know um I don't do any by myself I do them with my artist and the promoter and we all do it together and then it's like all of a sudden you've curated this stage and so from beginning to end it's everything you believe is right which we all know at festivals and big events that isn't how it works it's who's bigger and who's this and so when I'm able to do that with my artist team and the promoter and just pull off something amazing and then stand there watching it all unfold, I just love that. Because I guess it's probably a little bit goes back to my promoter days a little bit. Yeah. You so know? you can kind of mix in the, the, the promoter skills yeah. or jobs that you had before yeah. with what you're doing now and it all kind of comes into one. Yeah. Like we pulled off. Last November, we, me and Nicole and, and Insomniac, we pulled off one of the best stages we've ever hosted with Nicole and DJ Holographic and Dennis Salta and Ida Engberg and Anna and Emily Lenz and Nicole. And it was just, I was like, and, and, and people were like, oh, did you try and make it all women? And I was like, no, there was a guy on there. Dennis Salta was on there. And it wasn't about that. I mean, that lineup is so fire. And it was just like everyone. Yeah. And everyone just was like, holy shit. And I was just like, yeah, we did this, you know? Yes. And it's so, I think that's one of my other highlights. Listen, you know, one of my artists back in the day won a Grammy. I went to the Grammys. I could go on like with little things like that. But I think these, these are my three kind of highlights at the moment. I think it's as well, I'm just like imagining, for example, as, as you just gave this example of, of that, uh, of the event that you cur curated, that the end of that event, just standing back, I mean, the adrenaline that goes through your body yeah. after doing something like that, you must be just like, wow, yeah. all of that. And, and it's all come together and it's all gone amazing. It must yeah. be such a good feeling. It is. It's such a good feeling. And <laughs> seeing like the thousands of people in front of you as well. Like you, when you stand on, on, I mean, we're lucky enough to work in the music industry and sometimes stand on these stages and I, I literally sometimes pinch myself and be like we are so lucky to be experiencing yep. this from where we're stood right now and just seeing like seas of people in front of you enjoying yep. the music and the, and, and the festival the event or wherever we are and that's a moment it's a moment and I try to make sure I take it in I also 
you know, like you said, being on that stage and this year, you know, I was able to, my niece, you know, is very into this music. So she came with her boyfriend on stage, you know, it's just like being able to share with my family too. It's, uh, it's, yeah, that's like I said, that's why I love my job. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, all jobs have their things. Exactly. Don't they? But we are. We sometimes when I moan about something they have to do for work, then I'm like, okay, it could be worse. It could, it be, could be worse. worse it could know? be worse. We have fun. We do have yeah, fun. We do. I wish sometimes it's slightly earlier, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as what? bad in the US as it is in Europe. Like, in, I, what to, in, in what kind of way? Well, you know, I was in Ibiza for three weeks and I just wanted to see like, a few shows because I go there on vacation and to the beaches as you know and all that stuff but um every single time I'm like what time are they playing Four. Oh. the headliner goes on at 4 30 mostly story of my life yeah and so I, and listen I think you know when I was younger I could just sleep and then go but those days are over I just I go and I I do it you know no but it's like what you said before at the beginning of this conversation when you have emails to do and you have office work and you have stuff to do in the morning if you go out once or twice a week okay but in Ibiza you could literally go out 24 it's not even every night it's every day it's either a club an after party a villa party a boat party a beach party a beach club party there's like (laughs) always something happening every single hour of the day yeah and you know I've I'm now I now got to the point where I'm just like if I don't want to go I'm not going to go but at the beginning I used to be very much like well okay well I feel bad if I don't go so I'll yeah. go and then you just end up being everywhere you know yeah um, totally. you just need to know how to be like pick and choose your battles totally totally yeah what advice would you give artists that are just starting out and looking to work with an agent well actually before that question do you think an artist should look for a manager first or for an agent first so You know, I I don't think there's the perfect answer for that, right? Okay. Ideally, an artist would have a manager first, right? That's ideally. Um, And I'm seeing more than I, I mean, back in the day, you wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a conversation. People had agents before managers all the time. It wasn't the same business it is now, right? You need, you have social media, you have, you know, your record label, there's so, and your events and all these things. So you need to have a manager to manage that. That being said, there are certain situations where, what's, what's that saying? The chicken before the egg or. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes it's like, Ooh, you're not really going to get a good manager because you don't have you know, you don't have a proper career yet. So how are you going to get one or vice versa with the agent? So I think it's very um, specific to where this person is looking is in their career. For example, um, there are DJs out there that have been able to kind of get a name out there without making music. Not as much nowadays as it used to be. But now if you're all of a sudden playing five shows a week, Amsterdam, uh, the Netherlands example. If you're playing five shows a week in your hometown and you're starting to network, and all of a sudden you start getting, let's say you're like again, we're in we're in the Netherlands, and all of a sudden now all these artists that you've been playing with in the Netherlands are starting to ask you to come play with them somewhere else. So I think in those scenarios, 
Sure, you could find an agent first, and then the agent can help you find a manager, which is very tricky. I've done it before, but it is tricky because you really want an artist to make that decision. You don't, you know, you can just introduce them to people. Um, But, you know, I just don't think there's a perfect formula. Um, I've signed artists without managers. I try not to because the way the business is now, there just isn't. It's just there. There's too much for 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 these young artists to handle themselves. Yeah, and then some of them think they can. And you know what? God bless. My perfect formula is this: get big where you live, or around where you live, if that makes sense. Your hometown. If you're a UK artist, get big in the UK before you start looking. Like if you can handle it yourself, handle it yourself until it's time. And what's happening now, there's managers out there who are like, we're going to blow this artist up everywhere else. Then we're going to come to America. And I've had that recently, you know, because 90% of my artists are not American based, which is where I go with this. So it's like, if you are only playing your local places in Europe, why on earth do you think coming to America is a good idea? Because... Do you see what I mean? Like nobody yeah. knows who you are. You haven't put out music yet, et cetera. Get yourself a manager, get yourself booked as much as possible. Hustle, go to shows. You know what we were just saying? Seven nights a week, go out seven nights a week. If you never know who you're going to meet backstage, side stage on the dance floor, yeah. you know, and you just have to hustle. And I think being able to go to a manager or an agent with a little bit of hustle you know, that you've done that, that work, it's going to be a lot easier. I get so many cold, what do we call them when they're emails? Cold emails, cold calls. <laughs> no, you know, like a cold call. It's just like, hi, my name is Jojo and I want to be a DJ and I would like you to be my agent. And that's it. You're like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, if I sent I don't know, a doctor, a lawyer, a grocery store, a resume. I mean, sorry, an email and not a resume. What would they do? They would just yeah, delete exactly. it. You know, and I'm not saying I delete them. I'm just, I, you know, I, I've said this before in a workshop or whatever. It's like, you just because you're an artist doesn't mean you don't have a resume, right? It's just a different type of resume. So if you want me to read your email about you, I need music. I need where you've played. I need a small bio, like send something to me that you would send to a, a job. And, you know, and if, and if you can't write that email because you don't have the information, it's too soon. Great advice. Perfectly put. Okay. Thank you. Perfectly put. No, that makes total sense because if, if you haven't got that information, then obviously yeah. it's not the right time and, for you to And also, you know, in America, coming over when you, before you're ready, you can potentially really bomb because you can go and do a bunch of shows. They all suck. Then what happens the next time? They're not going to rebook you. So yeah. you really want to come to America. Again, I'm using America because that's where I am. But you want to come to America with some sh- stuff in your in your you know arsenal and I find and I've only really had two artists over the last few years who did this perfectly like they blew up everywhere else and by the time you know I signed them it's like I don't want to say my job is easy but everybody want them them. 
So it's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say I don't like I have a an American artist right now, A Vision, who's starting to go and sweet. I so sweet. And the music is there. Everything is there. He has a manager. He had a manager and then they came to me and I was like, yes, we're going to do this. And we are building, but he's American also. So we were able to build it up, but now he's doing, now he's got a European agent and he's doing some more stuff over there. So it's really just like the right steps. And sometimes a manager and agent comes first. It's really just depending on the situation, but ideally manager first. And what advice would you give somebody that is looking to... Uh, pursue a career like yours and become an agent run <laughs> get out quickly <laughs> um not at all uh you know after you've done running um <laughs> the most important thing if you want to be an agent is starting from the bottom um and learning like the one thing that I wasn't able to do because can't stop myself from age, but this is the, the facts. When I started, we were faxing, we were we were on the phone the whole time, and you know, contracts didn't really matter. Being at Paradigm, you know, in a corporate company, you I learned a lot of things that I never learned because I never really went through that kind of, you know, I never worked at a corporate agency. Also, social media wasn't a thing, yeah. right? So you know, I had to learn all of that at the same time everyone else was learning that. And so for me, the most important thing to becoming an agent is getting yourself your foot in the door, whether it's interning, which I know isn't easy, you know, for people, but I can tell you some success stories, i.e. the girl who works for me interned at Paradigm for us and ended up full circle. I mean, she interned a long time ago, but like, when I got the call that, you know, she wanted to interview, I like called my friend at Paradigm who ran all the in interns and she was like, oh my God, she was amazing. We wanted to offer a job. We just didn't have one. And so, you know, the, but the main thing is, is like, you want to be an assistant. You want to get, get involved in the marketing team. You want to get all these different, ask, sorry, different parts of the business. A, because you need to know it. B, because you might find out you don't want to do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty rare that people quit being an agent, but it happens. I see it. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen where someone becomes a booking coordinator, which is what happens right before an agent, and then decide. And so, you know, I think the most important thing is just learning everything. And, you know, whether it's a paid internship or a regular internship, it's also... You know, if you can't get a job at an agency, go work at a record label, go work at a management company. It doesn't mean you have to stay in that lane, but that's how you meet people to then potentially, you know, do do what you want to do or find out you don't. You know, what yeah. if you go work for a manager and you're like, oh, I like this side of the business is more creative or mm -hmm. so it's really just like getting your foot through the door. And, you know, we had a really good intern program at Paradigm. There are really good ones out there. Not every agency does them. You know, sometimes there are, I, I'm sure liaison have hired people who have never interned, but they're hiring them usually like at the bottom and that might be advancing, right? Mm -hmm. I don't do advancing for my artists, but plenty, there are people who still do. So it's like learning. Advancing is so interesting because 
and it might be a little different in Europe. We advancing is the hotels, the ground, the sound check, the to and from the venue, all that stuff. It sounds so minute, but it's like you're learning. Wait, oh, the DJ needs to be there like 30 minutes to an hour before. You're learning about their rider because you're looking at it all the time. You know, I am in no way a tech person. I don't deal with tech in the sense of, I mean, I know what my DJs need, but like when a promoter calls and says, I want to advance the rider, you know, that goes to their team. Yeah. Those days that didn't happen years ago either. So it's it's not, you know, and no one's asking you to learn how to hook up CDJs. We're just, you know, just understanding the basics and that's how you learn by doing it all different pieces of of the business. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you as well, are there a lot of agents that turn into managers does that happen often not often but it has happened and does happen and i i can say that i work with one who oh i also know (laughs) who i can honestly say before working with him i wondered what it was going to be like because you know obviously he was an agent and now working with him for three i think it's been three or four years now it's phenomenal because he's one of those wow because he gets it. He gets that little bit that some managers don't always get. Most do. But like, he's like, well, they've got this many tickets and this, you know, so he really gets it. But, yeah. but it, it happens. Yeah. I don't know why. I think maybe because as an agent, you get to work with loads of different artists and different types of music if you want. And yeah build some into club guys, build some into guys or girls, obviously, you know, I have a a nice chunk of women on my roster or it's, or, you know, you build them into, into bigger and, and hard ticket venues and concert venues and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why it doesn't happen more, but it doesn't happen often. Okay. I have a last question for you to end the podcast. And this is a question that I'm sure you get asked a million times a week. Do you have a guest list rule? Um, it's, it's, listen, I believe, <laughs> I worked for a guy who said, and I kind of love this, you don't ask for your friends. Sorry, you ask for your friends, you don't ask for your friends of friends. That's, he has that rule. I very much like, depend on the scenario, obviously, but I do have very specific things that make me insane. Mm-hmm. One, do not ask me day of show. Oh yeah. Unless, you know, Katie, you call me sometime and you're like, I am having a last minute trip to New York and I want to go for, then it's fine. Right. Yeah. And I also know you, but you knew about this show forever. However long, why are you asking me at 5 PM on Friday for tonight? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my number, you know, club shows always ask before the day of show festivals always ask two weeks in advance minimum, because in America, you can't even get on the guest list a week before they're, they're all cut off by that. Really? Wow. I mean, listen, can I call someone and, but why should I have to, you knew yeah, you were exactly. flying in for a festival. Um, I did make one other note. I just have to look so I don't forget. Oh, my other thing. Um, pluses. Ah, I have a problem with pluses. Plus one allowed. Past that, I need names. Not, yeah. I need names. And if you if it's a festival, they won't take pluses at all in America. No pluses. Mm-hmm. 
right? So that's where it kind of stems from. But then it's also like, you don't know who you're going out with in two days. So you're, are you just going to bring random people from a party you're at? <laughs> that is such a good point. Why don't you just tell me what their names are? Listen, I went, you know, like I said, I was in Ibiza for three weeks with my best friend, one of my best friends. And like, I could have just put me plus one on every guest list, but I didn't. Yeah. I put Emma Kelly because that's who I'm going with. And if you don't know who you're going with, then probably not that important. Yep, absolutely. So, so true. I really try to follow those kind of my own guidelines. Oh, and then the last one, be thankful. I always, but I mean, always, but especially with guest lists. I mean, I have done the easiest guest list for people and gotten a gift bag, gift package to the office. And then I've done the hardest ones, you know, the ones where you have to like offer your firstborn and you get nothing, you know? And then they don't even turn up. Oh. <laughs> that. If oh. I'm there and I, you know, like, it. listen, I, I try to tell people when they ask, whoever it is, good friends, not good. Like, I'll be like, are you sure you're coming? We don't have that many spots. Now, if it's a big event and I've got a lot of spots and they send me a text today, I'm, oh my God, I'm sick, whatever. It's fine. I'm not crazy. But I just, you know, we're like we said earlier, we're all trying to make our money back that we all lost. I just like to be respectful. It's just, it's unnecessary not to be. It's also knowing the audience, right? And nightclub space in Miami. They're so hospitable. They don't, they're just amazing. I'm not in any way trying to say people send more names to space. I'm just saying they're amazing. I don't take advantage, but they're amazing. You know, Coachella, you get what you get. And that, and, you know, you don't have guest lists. Your artists have their list. I have, I get on, you know, through Coachella and we go and anyone asks me for guest lists for Coachella, I almost laugh because it's like, that's not how it works, Yeah, you know? Like and so it's just, you know, for me, if I'm flying somewhere to go to a show, I'm going to ask way in advance and then I'm going to offer to send the, and then I'm like, I know it's early. Do you want me to send the names the week of? But I've asked already, you know? So yeah. it's just being a respectful being, human. Yeah, respectful. <laughs> exactly. 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 That's it. Well, now you all know yes. what you need to do. Yes. Don't wait till the same day. <laughs> take, take note. Emma, thank you so, 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 you much so much for spending this hour with me. It's been so lovely to chat with you. Thank and you. Everyone that I speak to about you, you just always has the loveliest things to say. You're such a well, highly respected person in this industry. So it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. That means so much. Thank you so much. It was an absolute honor. And it didn't, I mean, I can't believe we just chatted for an hour. I feel like we're on the couch. Yeah, I know. Next time we will do it on the couch. And next time we'll, well, in a few weeks, I'll see you in Ibiza. I'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care. Bye.